0: Starting in Exodus 35, Moses assembled all the congregations of the people of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days' work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all of your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Moses said to the, all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram, ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting, for the essence and for the breast piece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent and its coverings, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps and the oil for the light and the altar of incense with its poles and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand the hangings of the court, its pillars and its faces, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle, and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contributions to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands. And they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skills spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the effigy and for the breastpiece, and spices and oil for the lights and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free offering, free will offering to the Lord. And then skipping to Exodus 40, verse 33. And Moses erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys.
1: You know, we've all been confronted with those dreaded words at one time or another. Some assembly required. You know, that furniture looks so good in the IKEA storeroom. In the showroom, that is. But then you get it home and some assembly required. And it's terrifying because you wonder, when I'm done, is it going to look like it should look? Or or, or whatever I'm putting together, is it going to work the way it should? You know, my, my personal problem is some reassembly required. You know, when something in my house breaks, I have no problem taking it apart to try to figure out exactly what's broken and what's not working right. The problem is, uh, you know, like for example, two, two winters ago, there I was in my garage in the middle of winter and my snowblower hadn't been working right. And there it is disassembled across the floor. And I said, I wonder when I'm done with this, if this is going to work. When I've got it assembled, is it going to look And operate the way that it's supposed to. And and so you approach the assembly process with some anticipation, but also some anxiety. And I imagine that Israel was the same way. They've come to assemble the tabernacle. And they probably approached the project with anticipation, but also with anxiety. Those are probably the emotions that they face. Remember, a little while ago, Moses received five chapters of detailed instructions, even longer than that IKEA instruction manual on how to assemble all the tabernacle and all of its furnishings. And now we find five chapters of them actually assembling it. And I'm sure that as they assembled it, there was both anticipation of it finally being done, but some anxiety. When it's done, is it going to look and operate the way that it should? Now, there was anticipation, of course, because this is it, friends. This is the climax. This is the climax of the book of Exodus. And this is the climax of why the Lord brought His people out of Egypt. Everything that happened at the Red Sea, everything that happened with the Ten Plagues, everything that happened with the Ten Commandments, everything has come to this moment. We remembered last week from Exodus chapter 29, starting in verse 44, the Lord says, I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons I'll consecrate to serve me as priests, and I will dwell among the people of Israel, and I will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. Why? That I might dwell among them. I'm the Lord their God. So, so this is what it was all for. It's all so that the Lord might dwell amongst his people. Everything has been moving to this climactic moment the Lord brought his people from slavery he gave them instructions for the tabernacle and the altar and the priesthood it's all to make possible the Lord dwelling amongst his people his glory falling and being with his people so there's great anticipation as they start to build and they start to make the instructions a reality but I'm sure that there was also great anxiety I imagine there was a a fear. What if this doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? What if all of this time, all of this effort, all of these instructions, all this labor comes to the climactic moment and it doesn't work? So with anticipation and anxiety, I imagine Israel engaging their task. And we should probably begin by noting that the assembly of the tabernacle would not have been Possible with not if not for the assembly of the people. You know, it's funny, I didn't catch this double meaning until Kevin actually pointed it out to me this week. But the assembly of the tabernacle wasn't possible without the assembly of the people. Did you hear as Liz read for us from chapter 35? Moses assembled Israel together, and in verse 4, he said to the congregation, This is the thing the Lord commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord, whoever is of a generous heart, and let him bring the Lord's contribution. So Moses said to the assembly of the people, we have the instructions, but if we're going to assemble the tabernacle, you need to bring the materials. It was the generosity of the assembly of people that made possible the assembly of the tabernacle and the coming of the glory of the Lord amongst his people. So there was some assembly, an assembly of people, required for the assembly of the tabernacle. And at least five times in the passage that Liz read for us in chapter 35, it emphasizes that the gifts that were brought were brought by those people that were moved in heart. They were brought by those people moved in heart. Friends, nobody was compelled or forced to gift. It was those whose hearts were moved to give. Their hearts were moved. Why? Because they wanted to be part of what God was doing. Their hearts were moved to see the Lord's glory amongst His people so that the Lord's glory might shine to the nations so that all might see and hear and know the Lord. And friends, are we so moved in the same way today? Giving is a grace. Giving is a grace. The Lord is not going to force you or me to give of our talent or our time or our treasure. But we're invited to give. We are invited to give to the Lord to be part of what he's doing. Then and now to give is to join with making the Lord's glory visible to the world. Friends, we give generously of our time, our talents, and our treasures so that we can share in the joy of being part of what God's doing. To see His glory manifest to others. So to withhold is to miss out on being part of what God is doing. Church, is your heart moved to be part of the glory being manifest amongst His people here at Chestnut Street Baptist? Is your heart moved to be part of God's glory being seen in Camden and in Midcoast, Maine? Will you give generously of your time and your treasure and your talents that we might participate together in what God is doing here so that we can share in the joy of what He's doing? Because there's some assembly required. The assembly of God's people must give generously so that God's glory would be seen amongst us and be seen in this world. Generosity is not a mandate, church is an invitation. It's an invitation to you and to me, an opportunity to join with what God is doing and to share in his glory and to share in the joy. So, friends, how will you give? How will you be part of what God is doing? Through these five chapters, Israel creates and assembles the structure and the furnishings of the tabernacle. And as they do, there's that anticipation and that anxiety. They're building the people brought together the materials now, and now they're actually making it. They're building it. They're putting it together. But but is it going to work? Is it going to work? And actually, at the beginning of chapter 40, chapter 40 opens up with these words, verse 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month, you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. Friends, the first day of the first month was to the day, the one year anniversary of Israel's exodus from Egypt. Do you remember when he brought them out of Egypt? He said, this day shall be to you the first day of a new year, which means one year later, one year to the day after delivering them from slavery, they build the tabernacle. There's a clear connection between Israel's exodus and the building of the tabernacle because he says, this is why I brought you out. I brought you out so that I could dwell amongst you so that you could be my people. I could be your God so that my glory would dwell amongst you so that the nations might see my glory amongst you and they might know that you are my people and I am your God. And everything now has been prepared. Here in chapter 40, everything's been prepared. The fabrics are woven and sewn. The metals are fashioned and shaped. The words are cut and connected it now is the time for the final assembly of the tabernacle but friends will it work will god's glory come and dwell amongst his people and in this final chapter in, in chapter 40 as every piece comes into place there's kind of an anticipation that's building will the lord come down in glory In chapter 40, verses 9 through 11, he commands the consecration of the tabernacle and all its furnishings to anoint them with oil, and that all happens, but the glory doesn't yet fall. And then in verses 12 through 15, it's the same consecration by washing and then anointing them with oil for the priests, and it happens, but God's glory does not yet fall. And then verses 19 through 20, the the structure of the tent is set up, its bases are laid, the frames are set up, the poles and pillars are all put in place, but the glory of the Lord still does not yet fall. And in verses 20 and 21, the Ark of the Covenant containing the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments is placed within the Holy of Holies, and on that ark is the mercy seat where the blood of sacrifices will be sprinkled for the atonement of Israel's sins. The mercy seat was said to be God's throne from where He ruled in majesty. This is the most important piece of the tabernacle, put into the most important place in the tabernacle. And it's all put there, but God's glory still does not yet fall. And verses 23 and 24, the bread of the presence is set out. It's an offering for the Lord and a reminder of God's provision for His people. It's, it's a table. It's a sign of the fellowship of the communion that exists between the Lord and His people. And it's set up and set out, but still God's glory does not fall. And verse 24 and 25, they set out the lampstand. The lampstand with all of its buds and its blossoms. It looks like the tree of life. It was a reminder both of the creation and of God's redemption. It shined the light of creation and the light of God's redemption. And it was set out. But friends, still, the light of God's glory did not yet fall upon that place. And verses 26 and 27, the altar of incense, an altar of prayer where intercession, where prayers would rise up to the Lord like the smoke of the incense was set up. But still, God's glory didn't fall. And verse 29 talks about the setting up of the altar of burnt offerings. This was the place where the atonement would be made, where the sacrifices would be offered to the Lord. The altar was raised and it says sacrifices began, but still the glory of the Lord did not yet fall. And verses 30 to 32 show the setting up of the basin. A basin where the the priests could wash and it symbolized the cleansing power of the Lord and the purity that was required for His service. And it was all set up, but still the glory of the Lord did not fall. And then, verse 33, the curtain that separated the tabernacle from the rest of the camp was set up. It, It separated the holy God from the unholiness of His people outside. But friends, also, there's a note that there was an entrance made because it was always intended that there be a way for God's people to come in and to meet with God. And the curtain was set up in verse 33 and it offered the concluding statement that Liz read for us today. So Moses finished the work. So Moses finished the work. Assembly required. Assembly accomplished. Everything's beautiful. Everything's complete. Everything is finished. And the only thing that's missing is the presence of the Lord. The only thing missing is the presence of the Lord. And church, let's never live like the tabernacle right then. Everything was set up. Everything was assembled. Everything was orderly. But God's presence was absent. Friends, it's too easy to just go through the motions. It's too easy to just do the right things and say the right words. It's too easy just to look assembled and together and yet for the Lord to be absent. That's why I love the declaration of the song that Jacob chose for us today. There must be more than this. O breath of God, come breathe within. There must be more than this. Spirit of God, we wait for you. Israel waits for the Spirit of God, for the glory of God to fall. Because the tabernacle is assembled, everything's in place, everything looks beautiful, but there must be more. And friends, then it happens. It happens. The anticipation becomes actuality, the faith becomes sight, and the glory of the Lord falls. Verses 34 and 35. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I mean, as if to assure those that couldn't believe it, it says it twice in these verses the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It's real. It happens. Some assembly required, but now the actuality of the Lord's glory is amongst the assembly of His people. The glory of the Lord is among His people. The glory of the Lord, it says, will lead His people. In verse 38, throughout all their journeys, the glory of the Lord will lead His people. This is it. This is the finale. This is the climax of the book of Exodus. Exodus. But even with that, there's a problem. I don't know if you heard the problem. It was in verse 35. The glory of the Lord came upon the tabernacle. And even Moses, it says, the mediator, he couldn't enter the tabernacle then. Because the glory of the Lord filled the whole place. And friends, we have a poignant reminder that even if the glory of the Lord dwells in the midst of his people, one does not just traipse casually into the presence of a holy God. Before an unholy people can enter into the presence of a holy God, something must be done. Anyone who wants to meet with the Lord must first have his or her sins dealt with. And so, the book of Exodus ends with God's glory, His presence filling the tabernacle, but none able to enter it. However, following Exodus comes another book in the Old Testament. The book of Leviticus. And Leviticus is filled with instructions for sacrifices. Sacrifices, why? So that the sins of the people could be dealt with. So that they could enter into the presence of the Holy God who dwelt amongst them. In fact, the Hebrew word for atonement, Kippur, is used almost 50 times in the book of Leviticus. And as we've seen, this word atone is from Old English. It literally means what it says, at one. To atone or to make parties at one again. Parties that are alienated, made at one by making amends, by by removing the offense, by dealing with it, so parties who are estranged can be made at one. The sin is atoned for. And Leviticus details a way for sin to be atoned for so that God might now be at one again with his people so that the people might enter into the glorious presence of the God who now dwells amongst them. And the most important of those details in the book of Leviticus is in chapter 16, which is the celebration of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which the modern Jewish people celebrated about a month and a half ago, September 15th to sunset of September 16th of this last year. The result of the Day of Atonement, it says in Leviticus 16.30, For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. Friends, if the problem is that an unholy people can't just traipse in casually into the presence of a holy God, the Lord made a way for His sin, their sins to be atoned for by the blood of an animal sacrifice. So only then might they enter into the glorious presence of the holy God who dwells finally amongst his people in the tabernacle. And so the scene, this scene that closes the book of Exodus was truly the climax of Exodus. But friends, the good news, the gospel is that it wasn't the climax of all that God was going to do in redeeming his people. It wasn't the climax of God's work to bring us to himself. You see, God wants to dwell with his people then and now. However, now, just as then, the holy God, for him to dwell in the midst of an unholy people, our sins first have to be dealt with. And the animal sacrifices that Israel offered, they could never completely or finally take care of that sin. In fact, if we read Leviticus, we find that those sacrifices had to be offered day after day, again and again, year after year to deal with the people's sin. The priest's job was never done. And so the good news is that the Lord who wants to still dwell amongst His people today, as He did back then, has made a way so that you and I might come into His holy presence, not with the blood of animal sacrifices offered over and over again, but by the blood of one final and perfect sacrifice. His Son, Jesus Christ. The author of the book of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 11, every priest Stands daily of service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And then it says in verse 14 of the same chapter, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. The priest had to offer sacrifice after sacrifice that the people's sins be forgiven so that the Lord could dwell amongst his people so that the people could now enter into the presence of the Lord. But Jesus Christ came, the perfect, sinless son of God, and offered himself on the cross as the perfect and final sacrifice so that, as Hebrews says, by a single offering, he perfected for all time those that he's making holy. So friends, the good news, the good news is that Jesus has made a way that our sins can be taken care of, paid for and forgiven, so that we might now dwell in the presence of a holy God. And friends, the author of Hebrews concludes, then let's draw near to God. If this is what God has done, let's draw near to God. And in fact, that's what this table that we're going to celebrate in a little while remembers. It remembers that we can draw near to God now. It's only possible by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which we remember as we take the bread and the cup today. It's a table for all to draw near who have by faith trusted in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. All of those who confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in their heart that God raised him from the dead will be saved and can come to the table of relationship with God. And friends, have you trusted that work? Have you put your faith in what Jesus Christ has done? By grace, have you drawn near? And if not, what stops you? What stops you from trusting Him and drawing near today? In church, we remember that God doesn't now dwell in a tabernacle. God doesn't now dwell in a building. God dwells amongst His people. God dwells within and amongst His people. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you, you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Because of what Christ has done, you and I are God's tabernacle. So even more glorious than the glory of the Lord descending on the tabernacle in this final chapter of Exodus is the truth that now God's glorious presence dwells within His people. God is no longer building a physical building in which to dwell. He's assembling us together into a spiritual building, a people among whom His presence will dwell. The Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, You yourselves are like living stones. You're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Friends, we now are being assembled, put together to be a people among whom God's glorious presence might dwell. There is some assembly required, and the Lord is assembling us together so that he might dwell in the presence of his people. And more than that, church, the Lord is assembling and reassembling each one of us as he does so, isn't he? You see, with the tabernacle, there was some assembly required to prepare it for the Lord's glory, but now today, the Lord's glory within us is reassembling us. It's preparing us. It's making us more like Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote something incredible in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, And we with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. He says, we behold the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into his image. Friends, we are being changed by the glory of the Lord amongst us. As we dwell in his presence, as we see his glory, we are being changed. It's what we sang today. As we gaze on your kingly brightness, so our faces display your likeness. We're ever changing from glory to glory and mirrored here. May our lives tell your story. Shine on me. Friends, as his glory is within us and dwells amongst us, he is changing us so that we better reflect Jesus Christ to the world. Israel had to make the tabernacle holy for the glory of the Lord to descend. But now the glory of the Lord within us is making us holy. The presence of the Lord is transforming us, cleansing us, making us holy, making us new. Because you know that in your life, just as in my life, there's always some more assembly required. Every one of us is a work in progress, there's always sin to be overcome. Habits to be broken, attitudes to be changed, confession to be made, actions to be taken, and the glorious presence of the Lord within us is assembling and reassembling us to better reflect the image of Christ. So that Christ would be seen in us and Christ would be seen through us. So friends, the ending of the book of Exodus, the tabernacle assembled the glorious presence of the Lord now among us, it points us to an even greater truth To to even better news. It points us to the glorious presence of Jesus today. Assembling His people to be reassembled and to better reflect His glory to the world. The Lord has drawn near His people. And He has made a way that His people might now draw near to Him. So friends, have you seen His glory? Have you trusted the work of Jesus Christ? Are you being assembled to His people and with His people as part of the church? Are you being transformed and reassembled by His glory so that the world sees Christ in you and through you? Because the Lord desires to dwell amongst His people and He's made a way that you and I can draw near and be forgiven and transformed now by His presence. Friends, how do you need to draw near to Him by grace today?